everybody. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and of course, I'm joined as always with my co-hosts Darian Smith and Jimmy Marion. And guys, it's game week again, and game week for the set on national television for the second week in a row. As UAB will travel down to Tulane Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Central Time. For those that can't make it down to New Orleans, it will be televised on ESPN2. And for those that can't make it down to New Orleans, we are going to co-host a watch party at Cahaba Brewing Company with Cahaba. So please, UAB fans, help spread the word. Um, We're going to attach a uh, Facebook uh, event link in this podcast description. So you can just click on that link and look at all the details. But they're going to have picture discounts, cocktail specials. It's just going to be a great time just, you know, just celebrating with UAB fans and us getting to hang out with our Blazer Victory listeners. But help us spread the word. Even if you know a UAB fan or two that does not listen to this podcast, come on down. Let's get a big Blazer crowd down this Saturday at 11 o'clock at Cahaba Brewing Company. This is something that UAB fans and us included have been hammering for a long time to be able to watch somewhere local with other UAB fans and just have a watch party. So this is the chance to do it as UAB opens up American Athletic Conference play at Tulane. So come on down there. there, They will have a food truck there. You know, kids are welcome. I'm bringing my kids. So don't feel like you have to leave the kids at home. And even if you don't drink, hey, come on down and, you know, get some food and a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi. You know, we'll we'll have a good time just cheering on UAB um, this Saturday at Cahaba. But guys, wouldn't you say that this Saturday is going to be a good time regardless whether UAB wins or loses? Hey, it's always a good time with the fans, with the brothers here. So we're going to have fun regardless. We're going to have a few adult beverages and uh we're just going to enjoy what is hopefully a big upset uh for uab but if not then we're going to have a good time regardless yeah that's that's what it's all about it's all about fellowship you know that's what that was my favorite part of playing that's why ultimately i'm so connected to uab in itself was the fellowship i had not only with the players and the coaching staff but with the fans like with the parents of players um just with the the whole community, you know, I just felt the love and I, and I decided to stay here because of that. That's why I wanted to. That's why I decided to call Birmingham home. So um, that's 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 the atmosphere we're we're trying to recreate here at the at the pod is we try to make it bigger than the podcast. So and we have had a lot of messages from people that say, hey, you guys, when we when I ride, I feel like you guys are friends of mine i feel like you guys are like family you know and we feel the same way about about you guys so let's just have that atmosphere at cahaba let's create it let's do it let's have fun if you want to drink have some drinks if not you know be safe but we're gonna have fun yes 100 percent. and darian said it best you know we we love hanging out and meeting our listeners so this is a great chance for you to meet all three of us at cahaba brewing company um, and, you know, we we would not have had the, or have had the success that we've had here at the Blazer Victory podcast without our listeners, you know, especially our day ones that, you know, have been listening since 2020 when the podcast first started. Um, but come on down to Cahaba Brewing Company this Saturday. Click on the event in the podcast description. Let us know you're going or at least say interested and share it with um, all your friends on Facebook or Twitter or wherever social media platform and help spread the word because we need a big crowd 
out there Saturday to help cheer on UAB. And, you know, like like the guys mentioned, you know, we're going to have a good time regardless, you know, fellowshipping, uh, meeting some of you that we haven't met before, seeing familiar faces from our listeners that we see at every game. But it'll just be a good time regardless. But Jimmy mentioned something pulling off the upset. And if you look at the Vegas, <laughs> the Vegas line, it opened up at 17 in favor of Tulane. Guys, this thing has swung to almost 22. Tulane is a 20, 21 and a half point creeping 22 point favorite this Saturday. Whew. I, I did not, me personally, I didn't expect it to be that high. I, I was thinking that, you know, and I'm no Vegas expert, whatever, but I was thinking that UAV would probably just be a two touchdown underdog. Um, but when that thing opened up at 17 and quickly grew, I think when when I sent Jimmy the text in our text thread, and Darian and Jimmy said, well, it's already up to 20 already. Like within minutes, it swung uh, towards Tulane's favor to to now be with almost 22. So this this will be a, a hey I don't want to make excuses this is still a gr- another great opportunity for the UAB Blazers to get an upset and start conference play off the right way this Saturday and what better way to do it than on national television on ESPN two. Hey, you know uh, what's I- interesting about uh, Tulane thus far, and and part of what I think makes you know the decision and what the line is going to be so difficult this early in the year is that you've got a team that obviously had the miraculous season this past year. We've talked about it on previous shows, but through four games, I mean, they started out by beating a good South Alabama team, uh, you know, to start the season. And, uh, you know, they had a loss to, to Ole Miss, uh, but they were without their starting quarterback and they were without their starting quarterback against Southern Miss as well. Michael Pratt, will talk about him. And then they had a game against Nickel State where Michael Pratt returned. And, you know, it's hard to really know what Nickel State is, despite, you know, Nickel State playing somewhat of a challenging or definitely a challenging schedule thus far this year. But it's kind of, yeah, you've had four games, but two of those games, Michael Pratt's been out. So I think that there is somewhat of a lean into what Tulane did last season uh, as part of that line. And then there's still, you know, right now this disbelief in deservingly so in, in some sense uh, of UAB and their performances thus far. So I definitely think that there's a little bit, John, of just like that, you know, that thought of what Tulane was last year that's combined in that, you know, 21 point line at this point in time. Yeah. And I was about to say, I think that, um, I think the line is more so about what UAB show has show, especially specifically versus Louisiana, the way that we just got, embarrassed at home and one of the worst losses we've ever had here i think a lot of people is looking at that and saying yeah like if louisiana is would do them like that what you think tulane would do um i don't know how much stock people people see the score versus the georgia game and say well they got beat 49 21 it was it was you watch the game it was a lot different even the game versus georgia southern that game was uh very competitive and georgia southern kind of pulled away at the end, but I almost feel like Louisiana was like a anomaly. Ah, I'm getting tongue twisted, guys. <laughs> but yeah. Anomaly. Anomaly, yeah. guys. Yes, hey, I can't say it either. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I can say it, but uh, at this point, I was just getting tongue twisted. But yeah, that's what I feel like Louisiana was. So I think we should go out there and show that we can build off of the 
off of our Georgia performance. Um, if we do that, I think it'll be a lot closer game than people may think, and I do think we have a chance at the upset. Hey, uh, UAB's not had Tulane's number, but UAB leads the series all time, and UAB's won the last two matchups with Tulane, and Tulane has not beat UAB since 2012. So there's only been two matchups since 2012, but uh, you know, just from a historical perspective, UAB has had some some good um, you know performances against the Green Wave. Yeah, and to add, Tulane has never beaten UAB in Yeoman Stadium. There you now, go. Not, now, granted, they only played <laughs> one time, but still. and they only won two. They only won two games that year, but still, we're gonna we're gonna bring it up. <laughs> and you know, and this is something I talked to Trent about in the, in the Patreon. And, and shout out Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BlazerPod interviews, our, our after review series. So much content on that Patreon, just $5 a month. So go to patreon.com slash blazer pod and check out all that exclusive content, just $5 a month. But in, in the interview that I had with Trent and also he spoke about it in his pre- weekly presser. I mean, just the mutual respect or the respect that Trent has for Willie Fritz. And and Pete, I'm glad you bring that up, Jimmy, because that year that UAB won in 2021 uh, at Tulane and Yoma Stadium, Tulane was just two and ten that year, but they turn it around the next year and go to a freaking Cotton Bowl. Like Willie Fritz has done one hell of a job with that football program, and that's honestly, you know, someone that Trent, you know, might be looking for, you know, to to model after. You know, Trent, Willie kind of struggled with recruiting in state a little bit his first couple years, but man, he if LSU don't get him, Willie's gonna get him in Louisiana, and he has built a recruiting pipeline in that state. Um, so a, a lot of mutual respect, uh, between these two coaches. Um, but yeah, patreon.com slash blazer pod. Um, but a very important game for UAB this Saturday. I mean, you know, like we mentioned earlier, another great chance on national television on ESPN to 11 o'clock. You know, I, I know we get, we have some Alabama and Auburn listeners to our podcast. They're going to be tuned in hundred percent to UAB because Auburn doesn't kick off till two 30 and Bama doesn't kick off till, Later that night, I mean, not that we care, but, you know, definitely more people will be tuned in because of the national exposure and because of the other games at that time. So this is a great opportunity to kind of for UAB to write the ship. Hey, it's conference season, boys. This is, you know, where the real season begins. Our, you know, you can still have the goal of competing for an AAC championship because this is your first opportunity in conference play. And UAB can send a strong message to the AAC that UAB is a contender for this conference for winning the game. And Darian just mentioned earlier, he said that UAB has a legit chance at pulling the upset against Tulane and Yeoman Stadium. But they're going to need all three phases of the ball to play better than they ever had so far up to this point this season. But guys, let's kind of, you know, we talked about Michael Pratt a little bit. But this quarterback for Tulane, I mean, he—I don't even know where to start. Dar- Darren, where would you start with Michael Pratt? But I mean, this this guy is—you know—maybe Frank Harris on steroids or something. But he is so good um, at the, at the quarterback position for Tulane, and a lot of the reason for their success the last couple of years. Yeah, and I just try to make most of my points concise because I know we talked a lot about the overall meaning of the game, but um. Uh, I think the first thing to start with him is health. 
how healthy is Michael Pratt? I know he just played at nickel, uh, played versus nickel state. He was back. Um, but how much do they want to expose that knee? Because the only one of the only weaknesses the Tulane have have, have had is their running game. Um, they don't have a Tajay Spears. Um, while their offensive line is experienced, it's they're experienced and they're solid. Don't get me wrong, but they're not like they're not like their defensive line. They 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 know where they're supposed to go and they go there. Now they they do get beat. I saw a couple times where they got beat by different teams. Like they will get beat. They will give up uh, leverage at points. So they are beatable up front. Uh, it's just up to our D line to expose that. But they're average at running back. They don't have it. They're they're trying to figure that part out with uh by committee, and I think uh, Hughes is the running back. That's probably the best one, but I'm not really sure there. Yeah. Um, I think they have a dynamic freshman that can run, like he can. He is a speedster, but um, they, I think one component they missed with that is Michael Pratt. I think he's a guy that's able to kind of even the numbers out there, but. How much do you want to expose him? Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be, everybody's going to be privy to Michael Pratt and that he is his ability to run the ball. I just, you got to think about the longevity of the season. And if you have a quarterback that's still re- recovering, especially from a knee injury, our, our guys are going to be looking to pop him. Um, so that's one thing I was thinking about the running game. Now in the passing game, uh talked about it in the Patreon. Um, those receivers, Keys, Jackson, Brazil, Key, uh, I believe Keys is the main one. Uh, they have other guys there as well. They have they're solid at tight end. That's where they really scare me. They scare me there because of our secondary. I feel like our secondary hasn't been hasn't lived up to their ex- expectations. Um, I'm glad that. Some of those mistakes showed up in Georgia, when it, especially when the front seven linebackers and D line both vastly improved. I feel like I feel like the secondary had some improvement, like it was some bright spots, bright spots like B.J. Mays and uh, guys like that, and Ike Royal. But overall, it still was too inconsistent, too wait, especially from this talented, experienced group. So um, I'm glad those mistakes happened there. They can take that, and now they can adjust because if they have those same mistakes against Tulane, six points over the top at South Alabama. Michael Pratt won't miss those shots, and he didn't against South Alabama to those same shots. He he he, I think he threw like four forty-yard touchdowns or three three or four of them, and um, it can happen to us. And it wasn't because we switched schemes, I don't believe. So I think it was, if you look at the film, it was just like miscommunication. That's it. And we've had too much of that this season. So I'm looking forward to our team getting that together. Yeah, Darren, that South Alabama performance by Pratt was unreal. He was 14 and 15 for almost 300 yards and almost 20 yards per attempt. And to your point, those wide receivers had catches of 48, 47, 39, and 33 yards. You look at these average yards per reception, for their receivers in the season, whether it's Keys or Jackson. Those guys are both averaging over 20 yards per catch. I mean, so, uh, you know, we talked a little bit on the Patreon about just kind of what do we anticipate defensively, you know, doing. And, 
you know, you got to kind of pick your poison. I mean, you can bring additional pressure and try to get after Pratt. You know, the consensus, it seems like, from Tulane fans is that, you know, Pratt had some, you know, a little bit of rust to shake off against Nickel State. Uh, you know, and I think it's, it still is in the back of their head a little bit, like, is he healthy? Is he healthy? So it'll be certainly interesting to see, you know, how healthy he is. Uh, will there still be some rust? Will UAB be able to apply some pressure to make him uncomfortable to at least think about, you know, that said injury? So, uh, but yeah, if, if we give him all the time that we want and, you know, you give him the opportunities that Carson Beck had against UAB this past week, he's going to absolutely take advantage of it. And so that's going to be something to watch. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you you look at, you know, kind of speaking of this offensive line, what Darian alluded to earlier, I mean, this offensive line has given up 10 sacks so far through four games. So, you know, Pratt sacked three times and then their backup sacked seven times. So this offensive line, um, you know, can get got as long as our defense, as long as UAB's defensive front plays well, that front four. But I mean, you look at Michael Pratt, like in the Nichols game, rewatching that film or watching the film, Nichols was able to get after him. Nichols put him down a couple of times and really laid the, laid the wood on him a few times. And he, he even threw an interception. So I think he still does have some rust to knock off after being out for those two games. Um, but my goodness, this offense is explosive. And, you know, you guys have already alluded to the weapons that they have. Um, but, yeah, it's it's honestly pick your poison. Like, do you want to load the box up and stop the run, which they've been struggling with so far? Um, or, and, and if you do that, they're just going to hit the explosive play over top, which they do all the time. But that South Alabama game in particular is a perfect example of that. And, and guys, I want to emphasize, too, even the backup quarterback, um, was it Kai Horton? When he came in for the Southern Miss game and Ole Miss game, he played well. And he's, you know, not not as good as Michael Pratt, obviously. But, I mean, he's a dual threat that can move the ball around, um, you know, very efficiently. And, you know, folks want to look at that box score of the Ole Miss game where Tulane lost 37-20. to 20. Hey, Tulane led that game in the third quarter 17-10. to 10. Ole Miss scored a buttload of, buttload of points in the fourth quarter to make that kind of lopsided. But Tulane was competing with an SEC team into the fourth quarter. So this Tulane team is really good. Now, I guess we can flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. And, Darren, tell, tell, tell the listeners about these the big nasty up front uh, for uh, Tulane. Yeah, Patrick Jenkins, number zero. He's the best D lineman I feel like we're going to face all year, including Georgia. Um. Now, collectively, as a D-line, was Georgia better? Yes, of course. Uh, but that doesn't take away the depth that that Tulane has up front. Their whole D-line is good, and they have uh, good rotation players. Why? Because they play all play on the screen. And I'm talking about the D-line, the D-linemen and the linebackers. When they run stunts, they know where they're going, and they get there quick. You can tell when they uh, when they scheme for you. You can tell they know what to do and they're connected. They're a smart group. They're experienced. They're good. So they play together. They are good tacklers. They 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 get pressure. They um they have good stunts up front. Our offensive line is gonna have to play good. If our offensive line doesn't play with urgency, and I felt like our offensive line did a good job of assignment based football, I just felt like we could be better with our urgency. 
like we didn't play fast enough at times against Georgia. We played the best that we played all year, but we still now let's pick up the pace. We know we know what we want to do. Now do it faster. That's it. That's all I feel like we got to do. And we can be physical 100 percent, 100 percent more physical than we were. And when you play that fast, when you know, when you have clarity, I feel like schematic wise, they are very similar to Georgia. So it shouldn't be any surprises. I'm glad that we played Georgia before we played Tulane because we got a real test of kind of they're going to be similar. They're going to be. I know, I know people think, oh, man, that's Georgia and Tulane. No, you have to look at the film. That front seven is awesome. They're very good. Um, like I said, especially led by Jenkins up front. The guy's twitchy. He's strong. Um, he keeps going. He has a motor. I I don't know where he would be ranked at as like drafts analyst. I'll be I'll be um I I'll be shocked if he's not like at least a second or third round type of guy. You know? So all that to say is our offensive line, if we are gonna have a chance to win this game, our offensive line is gonna have to come with it. I do think our running back room is better than theirs. I think our receiver room is equal as because they have good receivers, but we have good receivers too. I think at quarterback, of course, Michael Pratt is going to get the nod because of what he's accomplished. But Zeno has been really, really good. You know, I think we have a lot of matchups that we can, that we're even, almost even on, but I think there's just more experienced and they are more urgent than we are. Um, I, do, I will say this. I, do, I don't think their DBs, I don't think their defensive backfield is all that. I don't think, now they're, if you're asking me to pick a worse part of their defense, I would say it's their defensive backfield. I'm not saying they're bad. They got four interceptions against Nichols. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying that's the part that can be exposed, especially with our weapons. We have weapons on weapons at receiver, and we have a good quarterback. But none of that matters if we can't block them up front. None of that. We can't expose anything. We can't show anything if we can't block them. But we did show that we can block against Georgia. And Georgia was running games. They was running blitzes. I thought Georgia played vanilla against us defensively until I looked back at the film. I'm like, nah, these dudes were walking guys up. They was twisting, sending guys off of the edges. Our offensive line did a fairly good job with it. Um, so... If we play more urgent, I think we can really, really hit a stride. I think, um, who was that? John, was that William Kennedy that brought up 20, 2017 against Georgia? Yes. yes, great point made on Twitter by William Kennedy. That he felt like you could almost hear us click, like we finally got it together. Like, man, we lost that game, but the team played like a team, and we were good from there on out. I believe that Georgia could be that game. And just seeing how agitated that Trent is about losing that game anyways and how he's still upset about the the, the miscues. He's not – he's happy about the good things and the, the improvement that we did. I think it's important to for the team to show themselves that if we buy in, we can improve and look good and even compete at this stage. But it's the miscues – that really never really gave us a real chance in order for us to have a real chance 
to be we have to be on the stream. We have to communicate. We have to make other teams beat us. Can we finally do that? Have we, I don't think we've done that at all this year. Make them prove that they are just the better team. And we we still haven't grown to that level yet. We don't have that continuity. That Georgia game, we showed that we have it in us. And I think Tulane is the game that we can really show that. Have we arrived? Can we arrive that quick? We'll see. Hey, it ain't quite Halloween yet, but this defense, this Tulane D, is scary. Like, they are for <laughs> real, guys. <laughs> they if are. you look at their rush defense in particular, they played four games. And through four games, including a game against an SEC opponent, they've given up 261 total rushing yards. Don't look now, but UAB gave up 305 rushing yards in one game against Louisiana. South Alabama had 75 rushing yards, Ole Miss 89. Southern Miss, who's got a really good running back in Frank Gore, had 35 rushing yards. Nickel State this past week had 62. Not only are they good uh, at defending the run, but they're great at creating havoc. Darian referenced the turnovers that they forced against Nickel State. They also forced South Alabama into five turnovers and Ole Miss uh, into one turnover as well. And they're top 10 nationally in percentage of snaps creating turnovers and negative plays. 17% of those snaps, they're either creating turnovers or negative plays. So this defense is absolutely for real. Uh, now, Darian made a good observation about their DBs. I do think that um, as you look at their defense, that if you're going to try to beat Tulane, it's going to be through the air. You're going to want to, in this particular game, get into a shootout potentially and try to outscore um, Tulane uh, and, and give them a little bit of what they're good at, beating them through the air. So, But I just wanted to share a few stats because you guys just – if you haven't watched them play, if you haven't looked at their stats, like this two-lane defense, it's not Georgia, but they are dang, dang good. Yeah, Jimmy, I was getting excited when you brought up Halloween because I, I said that's candy corn season. So. Yeah. Don't, don't start. We're being serious right now. We're not talking about candy corn. Let's not start on that. <laughs> but but for real, I mean, gl- I'm glad, Jimmy, you brought up those turnovers. You have 10 turnovers through four games. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm also glad you brought up nobody has been able to run the ball on Tulane. And, I mean, let's be real. T- UAB's not going to be able to run the ball. But what they can do is do a little RPO action. They could do some mm-hmm. wide, re- wide receiver screens. And that's what Trent, you know, ha- has talked about. And Alex Mortison, a big part of their offensive philosophy is using the quick game. The quick pass game is an extension of the run game. And what did Darian say that if you had to pick a weakness, what, what would that be? It would be their secondary. So as long as guys can get out there in space and block and Titans can continue to do a great job uh, blocking um, it, like they did in the Georgia game, too, then UAB can get have some success in this game but also i want to mention like darian said that o-line is going to have to hold up for at least a few seconds to get that get that extension of the run game going if you if he if zeno gets the snap from wilson and they're already in the backfield you can forget it it's not going to happen so the o-line is going to have to hold up for at least a couple seconds and let zeno get time have time to get the ball out to an Amari Thomas, to a Tejon Palmer, to, you know, a Fred Ferrier, to, you know, a Flip Rudolph, like these guys in space and let them make plays. I just, I think that we can run the ball. Why so? Because we were able to run the ball some against Georgia. 
So if we're able to do that some and keep Georgia honest, if we're able to do that, then we can do that against Tulane. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm going to be looking forward to is like, how do we create, how do we handle them when they bring late pressure? So a lot of times on first down, um, if we don't have a clean box, like let's say if we got trips, we we do this thing a lot where we go trips, we put uh, three receivers right to the left of the line, like kind of stacked together, bunched in. The thing, or we have another formation where we have a lot of guys bunched in together. All of that's cool, but what the, what that does as an offensive lineman is it brings a lot of bodies. It brings a lot of bodies to that line of scrimmage, like, and it, it 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 can be really really confusing sometimes because, all right, you got the protection set to this linebacker, but he stunts and he drops out, and they bring a safety late, really quick screaming, and y'all are running a run play, and now it's a numbers game. You know, they they do they will do stuff like that to where it's like now you're gonna get hit in the backfield because you ain't prepared for all. It's hard to. It's hard to keep up with all of it. Of course, you go through practice to try to go through. It's just hard. But one thing I realized that we did is we kind of we kind of kept a relatively clean box against Georgia. It was kind of easy to know where your assignments at. Therefore, we was able to get hat on the hat. We did that, and we had success. We got hat on the hat, and guys was able to hit a crease, and you know, and we was able to have some good solid runs. Um, I think that'll be important against Tulane. I think. If they we can't allow them to play games with us and as an offensive lineman, it's important to have time to at least if they're bringing some pressure down, we we need to adjust for that. Okay, let's look back. If you know we see them bringing pressure, we finally get another play call. Look at the sideline or give them a little time to point out. All right, we need to make some adjustments because they just brought this safety down. They just brought this, or maybe Jacob Zeno. He has a, uh, I think. Coach Different call him a co-offensive coordinator. You have the power. You see it. You have the power to check up out of it. Cause it ain't that ain't, this ain't the look we want to go into this with. So if we can have a relatively clean box, they play just like a four, it's four down lineman. They have two linebackers in there. Make them play clean. Make them declare who's where. If we send the guy in motion just so we can know what's going on so they can't out-scheme us. They're already talented enough, but we don't need to let them out-scheme us or out-scheme ourselves trying to do too much and making it easy for them to send pressure. And bam, we're behind the sticks. That's another thing against Georgia. We didn't get behind the sticks too much. We were able to get in the rhythm, and we were able to play with tempo. And then what? But we need to stay ahead of the sticks because we're a good, efficient team. We're not the most explosive team, but we we attack you in diverse ways. So if we can have that diversity show up here, we can be half tempo. Don't let them sub. Don't let them use their depth and make them. We have to run the ball. I think we have a better running back room than them. And we can run the ball. It's all about how we do it. And um, if we execute it, and if I coaches help our team the way that we can we can't we got a shot yeah Darian I'm glad you mentioned tempo is because you look at that Ole Miss film and that's really kind of where Tulane struggled the most so far this season was with Ole Miss's tempo and we know you know Lane Kiffin loves to go super super fast and you know going back to UAB last week in Georgia I mean you know Georgia kind of struggled a little bit with UAB's fast tempo and 
Georgia had struggled the week before against South Carolina, at least in the first half, with the up-tempo offense. So that is something that UAB fans will need to watch is can UAB keep up the tempo but not make mistakes like Darian just mentioned. And, you know, not only the penalties, but, you know, we, we've talked about earlier that this two-lane defense can force turnovers and force a lot of them. So we'll need to be smart with the ball uh, to have a chance in Yeoman Stadium this uh, Saturday. Um, but it's it's 33 minutes, so it is prediction time, and I will throw it to Jimmy first, and then I'll go second, and then we'll let Darian go last. So, Jimmy, I'll throw it to you for your official score prediction. Absolutely. Hey, and one other comment just about Tulane is that they're good on special teams, too. So I saw a stat where they're top 10 uh, nationally in special teams efficiency. Their field goal kickers, eight of nine on the season. So they're good in that area of the game as well. Now, uh, for the prediction, I just want to before I give the prediction, uh, I just want to state like, again, the line I just looked at it is 21 and a half. If you think about the return and all the great wins that we've had uh, during and since the return, I mean, we're talking maybe a couple of games in which we were maybe four and a half point or five point road dogs that we were able to go and get a victory. Twenty one and a half points. That would be a monumental win for this UAB football program, one that I'm just desperately hoping and will be cheering at Cahaba Brewing on Saturday to get. Now, my prediction is I do see UAB fighting hard, but I do see UAB falling somewhat short with a final score of Tulane 41 and UAB 31. Okay. And uh, my my official prediction is I, I've also got UAB falling just short. Um, I've got Tulane 31, UAB 17. And, and I'll throw it to Darian, hoping that he'll <laughs> have the most mm-hmm. sense out of all of us. <laughs> No, I always try to like kind of give a two prediction kind of sense. Um, I think if we we'll, if we lose, we'll, it'll probably be end up being something like forty one to twenty eight up in that area, uh, forty one twenty four, because it can get away from us if we if we don't come to play, if we don't build off what we did. But let's say we're coming in there, we're coming to win, we're coming to win, and we're we're gonna we're gonna we got our stuff together and we're building off of it. I would say. In that scenario, I would say 38-35 UAB. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Hopefully you hear a lot of that at Cahaba Brook coming in this Saturday. <laughs> oh, well, Jimmy, Jimmy, go ahead and close us out. Hey, hope everybody has an awesome week. See y'all at Cahaba Brewing on Saturday. Blazer Nation, just blaze.